I'm just helping people be themselves and I'm helping that lump of clay become a beautiful sculpture. It drives wives wicked. It makes such a golden brown pot. It must be lots of fun to be a mother. I've got something to apologize for. I wore my good suit because it was plain and neat. Afraid of not knowing what is proper? This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Hi, I'm Susan Osman, and this is Been There, Done That, a show about women who are shaping our world. They're not just striving, but thriving. Experienced, smart women who are redefining what it means to be a woman in the workplace. This week, I talked to one of these women, Fiona Goldman, PR, marketing, teacher, voice coach, narrator, television announcer, voice actor and sculptress. And she joins me now. Hello, Susan. Now, when you were a little girl, what did you lie in bed and dream that you were going to be? A farmer in Australia with horses, rounding up the cattle. And when I was at school, it was, I was nicknamed the fresh air fiend. (laughs) <laughs> Fresh air fiend. I, lo- I love that. And what were it, what were the expectations of you as a woman uh, to get married? Get married. <laughs> the expectations when I was a young girl. Well, yes, to have fun and do well at school like everybody else. But I think um, I came from a traditional Northwest London Jewish background, and I think marriage was always set as a goal for me. And what about a career? Were you ever encouraged? I mean, I, I know when I was growing up, you were encouraged either to be a secretary, uh, you know, apart from a wife, a secretary, I think that was about it, or a nurse. Secretary or nurse was on the cards at the time. That's right. And my, and my grandfather said I'd make a very good nurse. And um, I didn't know what to do when I left school. It was very difficult. And so my life has been unfolding. And I, I really regard it as a journey. So I had no set aim. I didn't want to be a rocket scientist or um, a nurse particularly, or a teacher particularly. And that's what I, I did in the end. I did go to teacher training college. And uh, my father had always advised that I get a career where I could work anywhere in the world. I'd always have a qualification. And he thought a teaching qualification was a good idea. But at that time, I think I wanted to go to art school. So did you actually, you, you did actually teach at one point, did you? Yes, I did. I did. The way I taught was not always what they taught me to teach at college. And at the end of the year, this naughty boy, John, who was a very naughty boy and always talking and playing up at the, end, at the back of the class, um, his mother came up to me and said, I don't know what you're doing. But, but John always wants to come to school, to your classes. Isn't that lovely? So <laughs> that was a big highlight. It was probably the highlight of my life. <laughs> did, you, did you come across any sexual harassment from the men or experience prejudice of any sort? Funnily enough, um, I did. I, I received harassment from a group of 13-year-old boys. 
I was in class um, teaching English and uh, the boys were just heckling and calling out or making sexual innuendos. And I had never come across this before. I was in my 20s. And I rushed out and I went to see the headmaster and said, I can't go back in there again. This is completely new to me. And I never did go back into that class. Um, but, but the teacher, the head teacher went in and had a chat. I never knew what was said. But since then, not really, as an, as a, as an, from adults, from men, um, not particularly. But I always remember those boys. And, and, and there was no redress. You couldn't, you couldn't actually call them out and nothing happened to them. I didn't follow it up. I was just too busy getting on with the other classwork. Um, I, I didn't take much notice of it. I just thought, really, at the time, boys were being boys. So what's your view of the hashtag Me Too movement then? Do you think it's actually doing some good or do you think it's actually stirring up resentment? Well, I think it's terrifying that uh, in this day and age, there's still a need for a movement like hashtag Me Too. Um, and it's a relatively new movement. But, um, you know, if you look back at the years of Gandhi, um, he believed in the rights of women and that women uh, were to be fully equal to men. And so we're just reinventing the wheel. Each generation is reinventing. And I just think it's a crying shame. You know, we're not making the progress we should do. Instead of having defence, uh, being in a, a defensive position, I think we need to be on the attack, but uh, in a gentle way. And as Gandhi says again, because he's a bit of my, bit of a hero for me, um, he said, you know, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. You then moved from TV to being a voice actor and, and uh, more recently a sculptress. How did you make that transition and, and do you do them concurrently? I suppose going back to my father. I was very much influenced by him. Uh, he escaped Germany and the Nazis just in time and came to Britain, met my mother and married. And uh, I think I've received a lot of his values in terms of inclusivity, tolerance and pride in the country that allowed us to assimilate, allowed him to assimilate. And um, he also emphasised at home um, the importance of having a modulated voice, not a peepsy voice. And he also loved horses. So I, I think when I'm looking back, it wasn't until you asked me to do this interview that I thought about that. And so those took root, those two aspects of my upbringing. And the horses I just took to. I felt I was born on a horse. I loved horses. They've always been with me. And it's not just the riding, it's the nature of the horse that fascinates me. And when I was at school, I was always drawing horses. And one day the teacher came in and said, right, Fiona, draw an elephant today. And I sat there crying. Can you imagine? Because <laughs> you wanted to draw a horse. I want to draw. Yes. But, but really, I think the, um, why I started making horses was because I was in a cookery class at school, and I seemed to be concentrating more on making 
the molding the, the primrose on the cake um, than the, making the cake itself. And so I was thrown out and um, told to go into pottery. So earlier on, you, you, you knew you, were, you had the potential to be a sculptress. Now, I mean, your horses are quite magnificent. I mean, and you, and you do them in all sorts of metals and, and materials. I mean, they are quite, you actually have a sense when you look at your work that, that the horse is living and breathing. What is it about the horse in particular that you find so attractive? They're just beautiful animals to me. Absolutely magnificent. And they're sort of unaware of their beauty and the way they move, and their vulnerability, and their, their bravery. And yet, um, I find that they're very, um, they're very shy animals. And if you're shy, you know, they mirror your emotions. If you're shy in front of a horse, he'll pick it up. So you have to be confident. And I think they've helped me with confidence over the years. And you're also a voice coach. So, I mean, can you, can you really change someone's voice? I mean, I know Margaret Thatcher had a very well-known voice coach. And, of course, there's that uh, wonderful film, The King's Speech, where the king actually got rid of his stutter or at least ha- attempted to get rid of it. I mean, do you listen to people's voices when you meet them? Are you very aware of their voices? And do you listen to them and think, oh, I know I could not fix it, but I know how I might be able to help modulate that or help that person be a better communicator? Yes, I do. And a lot of people, without them realising, they um, hold their breath when they speak. So they'll, and then you get a rather nasal sound. So it's the breathing in. The breathing is so important. I, I was always told off at school, actually, and told it's not what you say, it's the way you say it. Because mm. tone, of course, is very important. Tone's tone very of, important. And perhaps we're not always aware of how that tone comes across. What, mm. what type of people have you coached in your career? Um, executives, young executives, um, who suddenly become client-facing. And uh, I've seen miraculous turnarounds of with regards to their performance, literally yeah. after one session with me. So it's a mindset and it's a body language approach that I use as well. And that helps enormously. Do men mind being taught by you because you're a woman? No, never come across. No, they Not don't. with the young people I've come across, no. Just on one-to-ones, I say, you know, and I come out with it. Look, you know, the reason we're having this chat, you're brilliant at your job and... Sometimes it's been noticed, blah de blah, whatever. However, I get into it, but it really starts off with a chat and relaxing the other person to take them off guard because they're very some some people are very defensive and understandably. Well, the voice is something very personal. personal. Isn't it? If someone mm. criticizes your voice, it's it's a very personal attack, I suppose. It is. And yes, you're very and vulnerable. Last, yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is which is why radio is so powerful because it's such an intimate medium. Mm. What strikes me, you know, Fiona, talking to you is that I, I know we, we talked to, at the beginning about women being encouraged to be teachers and, and nurses, but it strikes me that you are very you you are nurturing. You're molding people's voices, you're molding people's performance, and you're molding clay in your sculpting as well. Has that ever occurred to you that you are a a moulder. <laughs> I'm just helping people be themselves and I'm helping that lump of clay become a 
beautiful sculpture, hopefully. When Carlton Television lost its franchise, I, I was having I, I had two jobs there, and they came to an abrupt end, reasonably abrupt anyway. And I was at a loss. Shall I carry on with my voice work, which I love, um, or shall I focus on my sculpture? Now, whilst I was thinking about that decision, um, I locked myself away in a studio, in a friend's studio. And um, just decided to do a unicorn. And, and it really helped me that time. As with when my mother died, um, I locked myself away for a year uh, making Napoleon. <laughs> making Napoleon? Napoleon, a bust of Napoleon. So, I mean, so... I and he helped me. Mm. Yeah, I have to ask you, what, what's the... Co- I mean... When your mother died, obviously it's a, when a parent dies, it's it's a very um, a very deep time of change for for all of us because psychologically mm. it's the link from your past and the biological link between your mother and child is enormous. But how interesting that you chose to sculpt Napoleon. I mean, is that saying something about <laughs> your mother? Was she a was she a, a leader like, like Napoleon? Oh, that was very tactfully put. Yes, she was quite a character. And very and very sparky. Um, well, it was. <laughs> I was given the idea by a gallery um, I sometimes show at, and um, I just grabbed the opportunity with both hands, but so to speak. But I'd also like to add, whilst doing Napoleon, the synchronicities that came up were quite incredible. As I was making Napoleon moulding Napoleon, I got a phone call from my voiceover agent and uh, she said, "Um, Fiona, you've been chosen to play uh, Josephine. No. In in a radio drama on Napoleon. So I said, I'm literally putting some clay on Napoleon, so I'm listening to this. So I said, pardon, can you repeat that, please? And she repeated it. And I said, I'd be delighted to. So I looked at Napoleon and I said, oh, right. <laughs> okay, my darling. <laughs> and off we jolly well went. I mean, it was amazing. And it happened again and again. When I turned the television on, there was always a reference to Napoleon. You know, this just went on and on. Newspaper cuttings, anything I read, every time I turned the radio on or the television on, there was something about Napoleon. So I feel that my... My work sometimes takes on a personality of its own. Yes. And which is p- very pleasing. And do you still make Napoleons? I need to make a smaller one, I think. It's a bit big, the one I've made. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, love, the, I love the big ones because uh, for those of you who haven't, haven't seen Fiona's work, he has his fingers crossed behind his back, doesn't he? Yes, with a thumb up. <laughs> and actually, it's all about confidence because, you know, it was, I had in mind... Uh, it was before the um, invasion of Russia, and uh, he was in a very difficult position. And um, he knew really 
his army was going to suffer a lot of fatalities. And to bolster himself up, um, that's his, his thumb up. So if you do it now, everybody. <laughs> How do you bolster yourself up, Fiona? Have you bolstered yourself up over the years? Yes, that's a very good question. Um, right. Well, I do remember um, when I was crossing over, because I've done so many different jobs. And I remember when I was in print and design work, I was asked to promote an Indian restaurant and in terms of PR and publicity. And it was something I'd never done before. I didn't know anybody had done it. I hadn't done it. I didn't know what to do. And I was very nervous. So I actually got a, a book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I just remember reading that before I went in to see the client and, and managed to find that, that courage. And horses have helped me too, as I said before. Yeah. They're vulnerable. They feel that vulnerability. And, um, and performance has helped me as well, performing. Have there been, uh, has there been a woman or, or a group of women that have inspired you to keep going? There was a friend some years ago who always encouraged me to use my voice. Very nice lady I met when I was doing, um, I was a saleswoman somewhere. I won't go into that. It's all too confusing. Um, and um, we sat down, had a cup of tea, and she really encouraged me because she always, she had trained at RADA and she always said, carry on, carry on, keep going. And I found it very helpful. I think it's lovely that you encourage people to use their voice. And given that being there, done that is about airing women's voices and listening to women's stories that we wouldn't necessarily listen to. Do you think women have been silenced throughout history, that we haven't been allowed to use our voices? Yes, yes, there are plenty of incidences. I mean, I did have, um, one of my students came to me, a very, very slight South American girl, very, very small, tiny. And she had a small voice and she said at meetings, she couldn't speak up. No one would listen to her. And at the end of our sessions, I, I did see a remarkable change. I gave her some um, tips as to how her, she could um, make her her point in, in meetings. And I think a lot of women have asked me that before. And it, there are ways of doing that. I mean, it's easy mm. for you and I to make that point. But um, yeah, so some I, people I just sit it, there quietly. I remember in my early days of being a broadcaster, I was often told I was very aggressive with my, with my voice. And I, I wasn't any more aggressive than the men. I was just being quite tough. And then I decided to ask the same question with a smile on my face. And then they backed off and stopped criticizing me and telling me I was aggressive. And I, I, I do think that women have to metamorphose somehow into their environment in order to be heard, don't you? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. And I, I, I understand your point entirely. My experience of men, yeah, they, they, they do like the smile and the way that um, you present. A man can ask very combative questions and be very yes. aggressive and yes. be seen as searching and inquiring, whereas a yes. woman is seen as being over, 
Yes, assertive, yes. whereas a woman is seen as overbearing and yes. bossy. Yes, I think that is the nub of it. Very, very important. Um, because you then become unfeminine if you speak like that, and you're exactly. supposed to be a woman and feminine. So what advice, Fiona, would you give to women listening to you who feel silenced? Um, I did have a girl that came to see me um, once who um, came in. We had a little chat and I said, I can't see anything wrong with your voice. You speak beautifully. You're clear. Your diction is excellent. And I can't really see a problem. What do you think it is? And we were just chatting. And then she burst into tears and said that her stepfather refused to listen to her at family dinners. She wasn't allowed to speak. Gosh. Yeah. So she wasn't aware that was happening. And I actually recommended her to go and see a counsellor. Um, so what would you say, Fiona, that you wished you knew your younger self knew that you know now? I could afford to be a bit bolder and even even more courageous, I think. And I think bold and courageous, but I also think um, not to have taken so much notice of the get married when you have children, when you get married, um, which has had a bit of an influence. Yeah. And what would you say to women who are starting out on their career, who want to be artistic and creative and are being pushed into professions that they don't particularly want to do, what would your advice be well, to them? Well, the thing is that you have to earn money, let's be practical. So you do have to earn money, but you do have to make, if, if your artistic and creative side can't actually bring the money in immediately and you've got to pay the bills, um, do keep it going, set aside certain number of hours a day, keep it going. You must do that. You owe it to yourself um, rather than watching too much TV or going out for too many drinks. You know, really, really put that aside and, and uh, pay attention because it will come back nagging at you later on and then you'll be regretful that you haven't paid attention. You, you said earlier that life, life is a, a journey and you've certainly done a, a lot of things. What's next for you? What new skills do you want to acquire? Oh, gosh, so many, so many. I'd like to improve my drawing. But um, I'll, t I'll tell you one thing that's <laughs> I've really had nagging at me, and that is to play the piano again. And I used to be up to almost grade five. And I loved it. I got lost in playing the piano. Just lovely to sit down at the keyboard and play something. Anyway, during lockdown, uh, I remembered I had a keyboard in my loft and I brought it down. And I'd been listening to a lot of music. Um, I managed to print some, a piece out on the internet. And I thought, well, where am I going to find a piano teacher? A really nice one, a good one that I get on with. 
And I have been going, from time to time, I pop into my lovely local church um, just to sit and meditate a bit and think about things. And I love the smell of a church anyway. As I walked in about a couple of weeks ago, there was a girl sitting at the piano and um, started to play. And she looked round at me and I said, oh, no, no, carry on. I sat in the pew at the front and afterwards I chatted to her and it turned out that she um, had distinction, just qualified at the Royal Academy of Music in London, had distinction and she taught. And I got down on my knees, as one does in a church, (laughs) and said, please teach me, please teach me. And I had my first piano lesson for years yesterday. And I learned an awful lot and I'm going to practice. So watch this space. But it, it's, it's something that's been nagging at me. So what you're saying is that you have the little voice nagging you to do something. Listen to yes. that little voice. Listen to it. Don't ignore it. Because yes, you can say it will pay the bills. It means I can go on my holidays and I can buy the latest this or whatever. Yes, fine. And I do understand that. But you do have to water, feed that desire. And it's all your life runs on desire. That is your petrol. You really do need to pay attention. That way we will change the world, I think. Well, I'm very glad, Fiona, that you, your little voice nagged you away because your, sculptors, your sculpting is absolutely magnificent. And uh, I'm sure you're going to keep going as well. Thank you so much for talking to me. Fiona Goldman, I can definitely say you have certainly been there, done that. And thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks, Susan. Thank you for listening to Been There, Done That with me, Susan Osman. Visit us on btdtshow.com for more interviews with dynamic women. And I'd love to hear from you as well. So please leave us a review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. These are words of respect. How can you tell when you really want? And look how flaky it is. The girls weigh each portion of food they select. The Been There, Done That show is brought to you by Dan Hall at Pup Media Consultancy. We can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Your manners are showing. I'm a princess. Mabel loves cooking and does it well. Overweight makes an individual undesirable. Lovely stockings. And you think that's all that matters?